0: Well, I remember this day like it was yesterday. I was sitting on the edge of my bed in my dorm room. Uh, my head was throbbing from uh, whatever happened the night before. Uh, I still have no memory of what happened the night before. And I, as I sat there on the edge of my bed that day with a throbbing headache, I began to kind of stare at the wall and just just kind of ask myself, what happened? What happened last night? What, what did we do last night? and as i just sat there staring at that brick wall across the room there was a a knock on the door and a, and a young man walked into the room he had on a backwards hat he had on swim trunks and a tank top and flip-flops and he pointed his finger right at me and he said bryson that was one heck of a night man that was one heck of a night and he turned around and he shut the door and he walked away and, and still to this day i have no memory of what happened that night and i, and I started to think out loud like well what do we do and maybe oh maybe i just cataloged the memories in my phone and so i reached across to the counter to the cabinet and i grabbed my phone off of the charger and i opened it up because it was back then when we had a flip phone i tried to to power it on and it and it was dead it was dead all the memories were gone why is it dead i mean it was plugged into the charger i thought i was like what in the world happened and i, I started to look at it and it was it was wet and it, why is it wet? And I started to think, well, well maybe it, it fell in a puddle of water during the middle of the night, or maybe it fell in a pool, or or heaven forbid it fell in a toilet at some point, but it was dead and all the memories were gone. And I remember sitting on the edge of that bed staring at that brick wall that day with my head throbbing from whatever happened the night before. And as I sat there, there was this This overwhelming amount of weight that began to push down onto my shoulders, that began to creep down into my chest. And it was in that moment, it was in that moment that I had experienced regret for the very first time. And I'm not talking about the the kind of regret like you and I went to Taco Bell and we regretted it later. That's not the type of regret I'm talking about. I'm talking about a cosmic type of regret that said that day that if I keep living this way, if I keep doing this, if I keep living this way, I'm going to waste my life. I'm going to waste my life. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been in a scenario just like that one and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe some of you you haven't been in that scenario, but you can still identify and relate and connect the dots on this idea that you do not want to waste your life so So how do we do this How, how do we live a life that we 're not going to regret how are we going how do we live a life that, that that counts and that matters and that actually makes a difference? How do we get it right? Well, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter. Twenty-five with me this morning. Matthew chapter 25. And today we're looking at a story called the parable of the talents. And this parable is the second parable of three that Jesus tells in a row to answer a question that his disciples asked back in Matthew chapter 24. And the question that his disciples asked was was really simple. They said, Jesus, how is all of this going to end? How is the world going to end? And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells them three stories to communicate to him how the world is going to end. In in the first story, it's called the parable of the virgins. And no, it's, it's not what you think it's about. Really, the big idea to that story is that Jesus is coming back one day. And the question is, are you ready for it? Are you going to be ready for that day? And so that's parable number one and then in parable number three Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats and what Jesus says there is that at the, in the end of days at the end of days there's going to be a people on my team and a people who's not on my team who think that they are on my team and really that parable is all about how our activity for Jesus does not equal intimacy with Jesus. You see, there are going to be people that say that they did all of these things for Jesus, and Jesus is going to say at the end that he never knew them. So our activity for Jesus does not mean that we actually had a relationship with Jesus. And that's what the third parable is all about. But today, we're going to drill down on this second parable. And the big idea that Jesus is trying to get into his disciples' heads and our heads today is this. Your life matters. Your life matters right now and for all eternity. So how you spend your life to the very end matters. And here in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is going to give us one story. He's going to give give us four ways that we can really tell if we are spending our life well or if we are wasting it. So if you take notes, the, the first thing that we see out of the story, the first thing that we need to know if we are going to live a life that is spent well is this. You have to know who you belong to. You have to know whose you are. Look, look at uh, verse 14 with me. Verse 14, it says this. For it, he's talking about the end. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Whose servants? His servants. Hey, I know that we're online, but I need you to participate. Whose servants? His servants. And he entrusted to them his property. Whose property? His property now what is jesus doing here jesus is laying the foundation for this parable and the foundation of this parable is this is that everything that you are everything that you own everything that you possess is a gift from god from the air that you breathe to the eyeballs that you have to see to the ears on the side of your head right to the mask that we all have to wear to the car that you drive, to the job that you have, everything that you have is his. But the problem is, uh, we live in a world that says, no, 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 that's, that's yours. That's, that's your stuff, you worked for that, you earned that, you bought that, it is yours. But here's the thing, I need you to know and I need you to realize something, that everything that you own it's really on loan, at best, is on loan to you from God. You know why this is true? Because the last time that I checked, the, the Grim Reaper, the great undertaker that is deaf, guess what? He's still batting a 1,000. Yep, statistics say that one out of every one person will die. And when you die... When you and I die, they're going to put us in the ground and they're going to shovel some dirt onto our face and then they're going to go back to the church. They're going to get some coffee. They're going to get some cheese and crackers and they're going to talk about what a great guy you were or what a great gal you were. But then after that, your, your kids are going to take all of your stuff and they're going to sell it at a garage sale. Or if the coronavirus is still around, they're gonna sell it online on OfferUp or Facebook Marketplace, right? So at the end of the day, listen, listen to me. Someone else is going to be driving that car that you had to have. Someone else, ladies, someone else is going to be wearing that diamond necklace or that pearl necklace that you absolutely had to have. Someone is going to be living in the house that you had to have, and swimming in the pool that you had to have. You see, we can fall into this mentality thinking that we are immortal. We can fall into this mentality thinking that, that we actually own our stuff and that we are in control of our stuff. And the reality is, we're not. It is all God's. It is all God's, and it is on loan to us. And so the foundation of this parable that we have to understand before we even move forward is this, is that we are not owners of anything, but rather we are stewards of everything that God has given us. We are his servants and we are stewarding and managing his property that he has entrusted to us. So the first thing that we have to know if we want to live a life that is spent well is we have to know who we belong to And we belong to the Lord from tip to tail, from our next breath to our last breath. We belong to him. It is all his. And if we want to live a life that that we don't regret, we have to know, we have to know who we belong to. We have to know whose we are. Now, the second thing that we see uh, in this parable is this. Go ahead and write this down. The second thing that we have to know is this, if we want our life To matter, we have to know who we are. So, number one, we have to know whose we are, and number two, we have to know who we are. Look what he says in verse fifteen. He says to one, he gave five talents; to 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 another, he gave two; to one, and to another, one. To each according to his own ability. Underline that. To each according to his own ability. Then he went away. Now, there's a, a lot of stuff in here. And if you're listening, if you were kind of leaning in and listening, you heard that he gave uh, one guy five talents, he gave another guy two talents, and he gave another guy one talent. And, and you may say that, you know, well, that, that doesn't sound fair. Well, here's the first thing you need to know. First of all, uh, you need to know that, that fairness is not a biblical value. Fairness is not a biblical value. God is not into fairness. If God was into fairness, you and I, we would all be dead right now because of our sin. So fairness is not a biblical value. Secondly, you you need to know this. You you need to see this. You underlined it, right? It says that he gave to each one according to their own ability. And, And the original word in the Greek language for that is the word strength. So you could say it this way. He gave... He gave to each one according to their own strength. You see this, the the master already knew what they would do before they did it. He already knew what their strengths were. He already knew what they would be good at. He already knew what they would do. Now notice this, that the the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy do not compare themselves to one another. They don't, they don't compare, hey, you got five, you got two, like they, they they don't compare themselves to one another at all. You see, but this is a trap that we can easily fall into. One of the fastest ways that we can defame the name of God is to compare ourselves to someone else. Because in that moment, when we begin to compare ourselves to someone else, our lives, our gifts, our talents, all the things that we have, when we begin to compare ourselves to other people, that is an indictment against God. Because what we're saying is we're saying to the Almighty, all knowing, all-sovereign God of the universe is that you messed up when you made me. You messed up when you made me. It was a mistake when you made me. You gave that guy too much and me not enough. And when we try to tell God how it should be, when we try to tell God how to do his job, that is called idolatry. And idolatry is a sin. And on top of that, when we compare ourselves to others, it's it's always a losing situation. Right? It is a zero sum game. It is a lose lose situation. You see because uh, you are the only you are the only you that God created. You are the only you that God created and the only way to glorify God is to be the you that God created you to be when he made you and not someone else. Because when we compare because when we compare to ourselves to others, it's it's only a losing situation. When we compare and we, we think that we're better than, that leads to pride, right? That leads to pride and pride is a sinner. When we when we think that we're less than someone else, that leads to despair and condemnation. And that that in itself is a lie. That is a lie from the father of lies. That is not the language of the father of truth that is the language of the father of lies and when we when we compare and we kind of start to kind of hear these voices of ego or despair that is from the father of lies and when we when we compare what we do what we do is we we take someone's kind of backstage or someone's behind the scenes and we compare that we compare it right with their front stage or their highlight reel right and we do this all the time on social media Right? How many of you are on social media? Some of you are on social media right now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the different things, right? We What do we do on there? We, we scroll, we scroll, we scroll, and we compare ourselves to someone else. Because if you're, if you're on there like I am sometimes, man, it always seems that someone else is on vacation while I am at work. And, it, and if you ever feel that way, like, like they're out there, they're, they got their feet in the sand, they got a book pulled out, they got a drink right next to them, and they are having a blast while I am sitting here, and I am working, sitting at my desk, and I'm Oh, it's so frustrating. you just like, how in the world could be? What, here's the thing I need you to know. It's not real, okay? Instagram is not real. We cannot compare our lives. We cannot compare ourselves with someone else's filtered life. Uh, did you know this? Instagram has 25 different filters. Did you know that? 25 different ways to make someone else's life our own life look better than it actually is. It is not real. And, and you know this. If you've ever posted a picture online and your house was kind of a mess, right? Just put it in black and white and boom, instantly. It it looks amazing, like it should be in a magazine. But the filtered life is not the real life. It is not real. We cannot compare ourselves because here's the thing: you are the only one. Like you, God created you. You are the only you that exists. You see, God came up with the God-glorifying idea that is you. And one of the primary ways to find satisfaction in this life is to, to, live. <laughs> to live a life that you won't regret is to be you, the, the way that God created you to be. So do not fall into the trap of comparing yourself to someone else. So number one, if you want to live a life spent well, you need to know whose you are. Number two is you need to know who you are. And God created you. And the third thing that you need to know is this. You need to know your purpose. You need to know your purpose. Look look at verse 16. Verse 16, it says this. It says, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. Now, notice this, church he did not delay it says that he went at once listen church there there are many of you and many of you you know that god has given you an opportunity of some kind right he's put an opportunity right before you and you have delayed you have delayed taking action on that opportunity and i don't know what that is for you but you do and the holy spirit does and god has put an opportunity right before you and you have delayed You have delayed using your gifts, using your talents, using your resources, being a good steward of what he has given you to maximize his kingdom, right? And we we do this because it's risky. We do this because it's uncomfortable. But here's something you need to know, church, is this. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. I'll say that again. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. So do not delay. Look what he says in verse 17 and says so he went at once verse 17 so also he had the he who had the two talents made two talents more but he who had received the one talent went and dug it and put it into the ground and hid his master's money okay here's my opinion okay uh, this is just my opinion this last guy is a majority of christians i believe that 80 to 90% of believers sitting in churches today or even watching online today is, is, is that this is us? You see, God has poured out His resources, His talents, and His gifts and His blessings on His church. And instead of leveraging our lives to live on mission, we are burying it in the sand because we want a comfortable life. We want an easy life. We, we want to go out and we want to get a degree. We want to go out. Get uh, after we get our degree. We want to get married. We want to have a family. Uh, we want to have a good job, a nice car. Then we want to, you know, do that for 20, 30 years. We want to retire. We want to get a vacation home. We want to get a retirement home, right? And we want to live the good, comfortable life. Like this is what our world sells us, and this is what we do. Now, now, are those are those bad things? No, they are not bad things. Those are good things. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing, if you are a follower of Christ, like if you are a follower of Christ, hear me, right? If you spend your life building your kingdom instead of His, you, you need to know that it is not going to be a life spent well. It is clear, if you're giving your life to those things instead of His kingdom, it is clear that you have, you have the wrong king on the throne and you have forfeited your purpose if we want to live a life spent well at church, you need to know this. that We need to know our purpose. You need to know your purpose. Um, uh, last week, I was reading a, an article that said, in, said this. In 2008, the self-help and self-improvement industry was an $11.1 billion business. And, and, and over the past 10 years, it has increased to a $13.8 billion business. And, and that is a lot of money. And here's the thing, all of that money, all of that profit is centered around, you know, helping humanity find, discover, right? And answer this question, what is my purpose? And let me tell you something, if you're a Christian, listen, if you are a Christian, you do not have to find your purpose. You don't have to discover your purpose. Why? Because your purpose was given to you by God, the God that created you, the God that made you. What is that? What is that purpose? Your purpose is to multiply the glory of God by using the gifts that God has given you. That's what your purpose is. Notice that he says in verse 16. Notice that it says in verse 16, the five talent guy traded his talents and made five talents more. Now that word traded literally means that he did Business. Now, we don't know what kind of business that he did, but we do know that he did something uh, to multiply the money. It could have been real estate. It could have been the stock markets. We don't know, but we do know that he used his gifts to multiply the master's money. And, and we know that this is different than the other guy. We, we know that this is different than the two talent guy because it says this it says the two talent guy took his talents and he made two talents more. And that word ma- made there means to acquire. And how did he acquire it? Well, we don't know. He could have been an artist. He could have been a musician. He could have been an architect. We, we don't know how he did this, but it is different than the five-talent guy. So the five-talent guy multiplied it. It says the two-talent guy, he, he made it, but both of them multiplied the master's money. So what's the point? Uh, the, the point is this. You have one purpose. You have one purpose. But we, we do not all have the same gifts. We have varying and different gifts. And we need all of the gifts to be used to multiply the glory of God and the kingdom of God. Because here's the truth. Like, what I'm doing right now, like, like I love it. Like, this is absolutely fun for me. I love doing this. I love preaching. I love speaking. Like, this is the way that God has wired me. But for some of you, like this would be terrifying to you. Like to come up here to stand kind of behind a camera with some lights on you and to have to deliver a message to the world. Like that would terrify you in the same way that if you were to give me a spreadsheet, it would terrify me. Why? Because that's not the way that God wired me. You see, we all have one purpose. If you are a Christian, we have one purpose, but we have different gifts and we need all of them. We need all of them. So the question is this, what are you going to do with your gifts? What are you going to do with your talents? Will you you bury it in the sand or will you invest it for gain and multiply it? What will you do with your gifts? Because here's why all of this matters. Here's why all of this matters. Number four, the fourth thing that you need to know today is this is that your last day really does matter. Your last day really does matter. If you want your life to count, if you want to make a difference, if you want to live a life that you don't regret, if you want to spend your life well, you need to know that your last day really does matter. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 says this, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came And what did he do? What did he do? It it says he settled accounts with them. Uh, Okay, so the, the master's back, right? And he's ready to settle the accounts. He's ready to see what's happened. And here Jesus is making the point to tell us that his return is certain. And even though it may not always feel like it, he is coming back. He is coming to get us. And upon his return, we will be called, all of us, we will be called into account regarding our faithfulness with his gifts. And all of us, not some of us, not one or two of us, all of us will give an account before the Lord. Listen, the second coming is not only about Jesus. And it's not merely about others. It is also about us. It is about you and me. In the last day, we too have a role to play. And here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. It's not about how you started. Listen, it is not about how you started, but it is definitely about how you end. So it's not about how you started. Praise God, it's not about how you started. Amen? But it is definitely about how you end. So let me ask you a question. When you look back on your life, what kind of story do you want to tell? When you look back on your life, at the end of your life, what kind of story do you want to tell. Uh, in other words, what did you do with what God has given you? What did you do with the life that was given you? What did you do with the gifts and the talents and the resources that God has given you? Did you bury it into the sand out of fear? Or did you invest it? Did you spend your life multiplying, multiplying the glory of God around the world by using your gifts to build his kingdom? Or did you use them to build your own kingdom? kingdom in your own life that will one day be sold at a garage and given to someone else. And, and why does all this matter? Because door life matters. Door life matters right now. Right now and for eternity. And for eternity. Uh, in fact, look at Look at how he finishes this story. Look at verse 20. Listen to how the story ends. He says, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.'" And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So how does it end for the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy? The master says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, let me ask you something. At the end of your life, do you want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Uh, I know that I do. And, and what this is saying about the master, what, what this is based on, uh, is, it says their faithfulness. Their faithfulness. That is what what, they, what it says. That, that's why he said, well done. It was based on their faithfulness to multiply his resources. He says, well Done to the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy. But, but what about the one-talent guy? You see here, if this was a, a soundtrack, like in a movie, like this is where the music changes. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Right? Look what he says in verse 24. He says, He also who had received the one-talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid... And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, will be given Uh, More will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa, right? Wow. So for the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, he says, well done. And to the one-talent guy, he rips him to shreds. And what does the guy say? What does the one talent guy say? He says, well, but master, I I buried it. And why? Because he was afraid, because he was afraid. Now, wait a minute, just kind of time out. Because uh, if I'm an attorney for the one talent guy, uh, I'm gonna be like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. My, my client, Mr. One Talent Guy, uh, he worked really hard for this. Like he worked really hard. to to bury this, right? Like you didn't give him all this money. You see a talent was a lot of money. And and he's like, "You, you didn't give it to him on a credit card. You didn't give him a line of credit. You didn't give him a Visa card of any kind. You didn't give him Bitcoin. Like you didn't give it to him electronically. Like he had, I mean, he had to go get some wheelbarrows. He had to scoop it all up. He had to dig a hole like for hours and hours and hours and dig this massive hole and dump all of the money in and then cover it back up. He said, objection. My client has worked his fingers to the bone. And here's the thing: I submit to, to you that there are many people who would say the same thing. But the problem is, your activity for Jesus does not equal intimacy with Jesus. You see, many people make the mistake, make the mistake of thinking that their activity equals maturity, and it doesn't. It doesn't, but many people will still say, "But Jesus, look at all the things that I have done. Look at all that I did for you." And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus will say to them, "Depart from me, for I never knew you." And that's exactly what the master does to this guy. And he did he did not get cast out because he didn't perform I need to say that again because I need some of you to understand. He didn't get cast out because he didn't perform. No. He got cast out because he did not know the Master. So here's the point of this whole thing, this whole parable. It is this do not waste your life. Do not waste your life. Your life matters. Do not waste the gifts that God has given you do not waste the talents that God has given you do not waste the resources that God has given you do not waste the life that God has given you do not waste it instead instead put it into something that will multiply it for the glory of God so today as we close uh, I I just want to ask you some questions for application number one Are you being faithful with what God has given you? Or are you being fearful? Do you know the Master? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you say yes, then let me ask you this. Does your life show it? Does your life reflect it? Does your life look like you actually know the King the universe does your life look generous because he has been generous to you does your life show it and if not what needs to change what needs to change you see for for some of you i mean this may mean giving your life to missions this may mean packing up your bags selling all that you have jumping on an airplane landing in the middle east somewhere and putting your feet in the sands of hostile territory to share your faith. For for some of you, this may mean just waking up tomorrow morning and actually walking across the hall to a coworker to share your faith, to share the hope that you have found in Jesus. Now just imagine, just imagine with me, for Southern, what it would look like if every man, every woman, every student just imagine what it would look like if, if we said, God, I'm going to take you at your word. God, I'm going to take everything that you've given me, my talents, my resources, my personality, my business, I'm going to take it all, and I'm going to put it on the line to multiply your glory. Can you imagine what would happen if we all did that? I can. I can. I know what would happen. It would be the same thing that happened in the very first church in the book of Acts. Ordinary people turn the world upside down for Jesus. But it's your move. It is your move. And I pray that you'll take it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Father, your word has been spoken. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and do what I cannot do. In this moment, Father, would you give my friends that are listening to this online today faith to believe and the courage to respond. Father, what we have not, I pray that you would give us in this moment. And what we are not, Jesus, I pray that you would make us in this moment. For your name, for your fame, for your glory, for our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.